Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash pro revenge video. Today, we've got a crazy story of revenge costing somebody $15,000. But first, a story from Beat Me Saber. Picture this. This happened 12 years ago, and I'm still reaping my rewards. I worked for the company. They did three-phase photography. Family and children photography. No wedding or events or anything. Straight studio work that was in a portable setting. Sittings booked for 10 minutes, and we were supposed to shoot 30 to 50 a day. Yes, it was as wretched of a job as it sounds. It was fast, high energy, and at times, simply brutal. One, pre-seller. They come in two to three weeks in advance and sell a special 10 by 13 portrait and book the appointment. Two, the photographer, that's me in this instance, comes in for about a week and takes the pictures. Three, the salesperson returns two weeks later with the special, along with the other six poses I took, and tries to sell you $400 worth of pictures. I was very good at what I did. The company sales average was $100 per customer, per 50 customers. The more you shoot, the lower your quality, because you spend less time taking care of details, and details sell pictures. My average was $175-ish per 150 to 200 customers. I was making this company a lot of money, and they consistently treated me like crap. Oh, the stories. Their business model was shoot as many sittings as you can, as fast as you can. To them, shooting 50 with a $100 average was better than shooting 35 with a $150 average, even though the profit margin was exactly the same. I never agreed with that, and the boss and I went around and around about it every week. They withheld raises because I didn't have enough sittings and took my bonuses because I wasn't meeting their quotas. So I figured out how to be fast, efficient, and darn good. That's another post. So that's the background. Now the good stuff. Enter the jerk. The jerk is a pre-seller who lied to the customers, lied to the store, and would book appointments from 9am to 8.30pm, even though the studio hours were 10am to 7pm. He told every lie in the book, and I think he even added a few of his own. Wanna bring your dog? Family of 15? Sure, bring five changes of clothes and I'll even have her do your makeup. I don't even do my own makeup. Come and get your picture taken and we'll throw in a free toaster. And just to make it interesting, he would triple and quadruple book appointments, and when he ran out of those, he would sell open appointments. And tell people to just come in anytime and my photographer will work you in. Ugh, just writing that makes me mad even after all these years. The biggest problem was he would waive the sitting fee or just not tell them. I was obligated to collect that $8. Every time I didn't, it came out of my check. It was a freaking nightmare. I refused to work behind the jerk for these and a thousand other reasons. I told boss that if they ever put me behind the jerk again, I would quit, which is exactly what happened. 
They knew he'd been working at the store I was assigned, and they lied about it. I immediately called boss and told him this was my last week, and that he needed to make arrangements to get the photography equipment at the end of the shoot. I should have walked out, but I was young and dumb. It was a three-day shoot, and I shot 316 customers by myself. That is an insane amount of sittings, and nobody was happy. Every night, the store manager had to tell my customers to leave because the store was closed. People were lined up at 9am waiting for me. I took so much abuse that week. After a customer threw a shoe at me and another spit on my pizza, the store security guard brought a chair over and stayed with me almost the entire time I was there. I honestly can't remember how many people were escorted out of the store because they acted a fool in my studio. It's been over a decade and I still have nightmares about that week. But nobody came to get the equipment, so I start making phone calls and plotting. I said, hey, what do you want me to do with your equipment? The boss said, you're going to need it next week in Florida. I say no because I quit. He says, you didn't give me any notice, so I'm not accepting your resignation. I'm sending you to Florida next week. I say, I'm an independent contractor. Remember, you can't make me go to Florida. This is not complicated. I quit. That's another post. He says, just go to Florida. I don't have time for this now. You can quit in three weeks if you can hire a replacement. And he hangs up. Nope, not going to Florida. I packed the equipment and took it home with me. The camera was a brand new Canon T2i 550D, and those were pricey back in 2010. I really didn't want to give it back, but it wasn't mine to keep. I had an idea. Boss was an absolute train wreck of a human. If he didn't want to do something, he wouldn't. If he could find someone else to do it, he would. I decided to use his own worst traits against him. Avoidance and procrastination. The next thing I did was take a company credit card and go to the nearest storage unit with climate control. I rented a unit and paid for the first month, but just one. I unloaded it all down to the last halogen light bulb. I took detailed pictures of everything and an inventory. I locked the door and walked away. At this point, there was nothing I could do but wait and hope boss would continue to be the worthless wreck I knew him to be. Next, I called and reported the card stolen. Why? Because I knew if I didn't, that card would remain active and rent would be paid every month on time. And that just wasn't going to work for me. I cut it in half and sent it and the combination to the storage locker to boss via FedEx, along with a hand-painted sign that said, I quit. I also sent an email to HR telling them that I was terminating my contract and that boss had the information on the equipment. This is probably the only sketchy thing I did. The person I emailed was out on medical leave, and I knew it. I could have sent that email to a dozen other people who work there, but they might have paid attention to it. By the time she got back to the office, she had so many emails, she couldn't even begin to tackle them all. A month goes by, and the police knock on my door. Okay, so I wasn't expecting that. The companies reported the equipment stolen, and the police are there to investigate. I really thought I was going to jail. The cop that knocked on the door was fully expecting to take me away in handcuffs until I explained what was going on. I ended up taking copies of the emails to the police department as well as my copy of the contract with the storage unit. I also had a copy of the shipping label. Both my name and the company were listed on the contract. I had to make an official statement and jump through some hoops. 
The company had placed a monetary value of $12,000 on the studio rig, so potentially I was in a lot of trouble, except I covered my butt. The police told me I was in the clear because the storage unit had their name on the contract. Their credit card was used to pay for it, and I'd sent the combination and all the pertinent information to the company. I am very good at CYAWP. Cover your butt with paper. At this point, I figure the gig is up because surely they're going to come get this rig or send someone or something. Nope, boss is still worthless. Two more months go by, I get a call from the storage facility. They're about to cut the lock and auction the contents. I just about peed my pants, I was so excited. I called boss again. He dodged my calls and ignored my emails to please call me immediately. I never specifically stated what I wanted to talk to him about, and just like I was hoping he would, he ignored me. Okie dokie, I've done all that I can. And that's when it all started to come together. And then I hit a pretty good snag, but it actually worked out better in the end. In this state, if a storage unit goes up for sale, the owner cannot purchase it at auction. I didn't know that, but where there is a will, there is a way. They sent letters and called three more times, and then the date was set. The unit went up for auction on my birthday. My neighbor went to the sale. He bought the unit for $125. I almost died. And of course, we were in cahoots on this, but we had to make it look like we weren't. The pistol grip the camera mounts to cost more than that, not to mention the lighting, props, and costumes. And of course, the camera. My neighbor then put an ad in the local paper for photography stuff $1,000 firm, but didn't list anything specific and, oops, put the wrong number in the ad. A week later, he wanted it out of his garage, so he sold it to me for $126. He has a bill of sale from the auction. I have a bill of sale from him. It is now mine and there is nothing the company can do about it. But they tried. I now have a fully functional photography studio, all the contacts I need to start my own business, and the skills to do it. I started calling all the stores I'd worked for for the last 8 years and offered them a much better deal than what the company was giving them. I did my own pre-selling, my own photography, and my own sales. Except I took it a step further. I bought a monitor and computer and let people preview their pictures and order the day of the shoot. They paid in full and I mailed the pictures directly to them. People loved it. No high pressure sales, no tricks. My customers were happy and so were my stores. About six months after my first independent shoot, I heard from the company. I got several nasty letters from them, which I ignored. Word had gotten back to them that I was using their equipment and that I was working for someone else. I just laughed at them. They thought so little of me that it never occurred to them that it was my business. Then I got a nasty legal letter from a lawyer. It started with a cease and desist, rolled into me violating the non-competitor's agreement, and ended with the return of their stolen property. They had apparently not told them all of the facts. I sent them copies of everything. I waited a few weeks for a response from him and heard nothing. I finally called to find out what was going on, but no one was available to take my call. How convenient. A few days later, I got a certified letter in the mail stating, no other legal action will be forthcoming from this office. I would have been content to just let it slide, but this whole thing ticked me off and now I wanted blood. I made a real effort to really hurt them. Little by little, I built my business and my reputation. 
I didn't have to do any of the nasty tricks that the jerk did. Within a year, I had stores and schools calling me. I had more work than I could handle on my own, so I took on a second photographer, then a third. I actually hired four people out from under their noses. At the height of my business, I had eight additional photographers and a full-time office assistant. I could have grown much larger, and in hindsight, I'm so glad I didn't. Digital photography was a huge boon to the industry, and then it backfired. I found my niche in the market just as it exploded. I ran the company completely out of three states. They lost all their chain contracts to me, including the store where it all blew up. The jerk lost all of his stores and ended up working at a gas station. The boss ended up demoted because his district was dissolved when I sniped the contracts. The jerk actually tried to convince one of my photographers to hire him to do the pre-selling for her. By now, my name and my business name had a really good reputation. Boss left the company for good and used me as a personal reference. He was a good photographer, just a rotten manager. And I took great joy in telling the people who called me that I was legally not allowed to tell them what I thought of the man. The age of the cell phone camera pretty much destroyed traditional photography, and I closed my doors as a business in late 2017. The company closed for good in 2016, and I'd like to think I had a hand in that. I'm still standing, and they're nothing but an empty building. I still have the original rig, but the camera's been replaced several times. I do senior pictures and the occasional venue shoot. Most of my photography is for restaurant menus now. People ask me if that's boring. I've never had a meatball scream, cry, or kick me, which is pretty much a daily occurrence when you work with kids. This may not be as epic as some on here, but I beat them at their own game and that still feels pretty darn good. This is the most legal form of stealing I've ever seen in my life. If you worked for a company that had gear like this that you really liked, and you knew that the boss was lazy enough to let that storage unit expire, would you try and roll the dice and see if you could pull off something like what OP did here? Or would the idea of a flock of lawyers chasing after you be a little too much of a deterrent? Let me know if you would try it in the comments down below. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below as well. Every video has awesome stories, like our next story from Hiller the Painter. Can't bother to figure out my name? Well, you have a new name now too. I have a first name that, with some tweaking, could be seen as a last name, and same deal for my last name. Let's say it's Matthew Williams. Throughout my career, I have constantly gotten emails from people that start with, Hi William. For years, I didn't correct people, but it's just gotten out of hand. I've made my name bold in my email signature, capitalized it, everything I can do, but some people still can't figure it out. It's astounding how much it happens with people that have had multiple emails with me, even people within my own organization. So my new policy is I let it go the first time, but if someone does it more than a couple times, I start referring to them as their last name minus a letter. An example, if a repeat offender named Frank Smith emails me and calls me William, I respond with, hi Smith, and continue doing so until they fix their mistake. A lot of people figure out what I'm doing and quietly fix their mistake in the future, but some people never figure it out, and to this day probably think, I'm the idiot, oh well. In kind of a tangentially related way, I understand what OP's going through. 
My first name is Steven, and you would be surprised how many times when you're having an email correspondence, after the first two emails, especially if it takes a while to reply back, you'd be surprised how often I get a reply email that says Steven with a PH instead of a V, even after in previous emails leaving a signature. Our next story is from Gassy McThrowaway. Don't respect women's bodily autonomy? Then I'll exercise mine by weaponizing my butt against you. First, some background. I have seriously stanky farts. I'm talking face-melting, mind-rending, nightmare-inducing smells. Gas that will make you question your belief or confirm your doubt in the existence of a just and loving God. It's not lactose intolerance, gluten intolerance, celiac, Crohn's, SIBO, anything serious like that. I just have extra funky gut bacteria that enjoy turning anything I eat into noxious, creeping clouds of butt death. I generally try to use my power responsibly. I'll excuse myself from the room, warn others to avoid ground zero after a bomb's been detonated, or even stick my butt out of a door or window if the situation so requires. But I'm also not above using my gas to go on the offensive against those that deserve it. That's what this story is about. This past Saturday, my husband, his brother, my sister, and I went out for lunch. I won't go through the rather convoluted circumstances that brought the group together, but it wasn't exactly a pairing of choice. My husband's brother, let's call him Chad, is basically a walking caricature of an immature, extremely online dude bro who approximates having a personality by acting like an IRL Twitter troll. My husband and I try to spend no more time around him than being family requires. My poor sister was getting her first extended exposure to him and definitely wasn't enjoying it. For reasons that will become apparent, I'll note that Chad was driving and he's got a new car that he's very protective of. Anyways, on our way back from the restaurant, we went for Vietnamese, we passed by a small protest against the leaked Roe opinion. Naturally, that's Chad's cue to chime in with the most repulsive take imaginable. Holy crap, he screeches. Nobody freaking cares. These runts need to get a freaking life already. My husband shakes his head and says, Dude, you're such a jerk. My sister lets out an exaggerated sigh. I'm ready to go on a rant that would have left him crying for his alt-right internet buddies. But then I felt a slight bubbling in my tummy and I had an even better idea. You see, while my farts are awful no matter what I eat, There are certain foods that take them to a whole nother level of putridity, and it just so happens that pho, which I'd ordered at lunch, is near the top of that list. I'm not sure why, but my gut's grotesque alchemy never fails to turn those tiny bowls of noodles, beef, and broth into my very own organic nerve gas. I'd normally never consider unleashing that kind of a horror in an enclosed space, but this was my chance to ruin Chad's afternoon and I had to take it. With the discreet lift of a cheek and a slight flex of my ab muscles, I let it go like Elsa, and I knew right away that it was going to be all that I'd bargained for and then some. Four seconds of silent steam that instantly warmed the car seat to 100 degrees Celsius. I cleared my throat and declared calmly and confidently, I am so sorry. My husband and sister recognized this as my code phrase used whenever I dropped the hammer in the company of others, and it naturally sent them into a minor panic. They both start jamming at the window controls, only to find they were locked. 
My husband told Chad to open the windows. No, it's raining, Chad replied. It was more like a faint drizzle. No, seriously, dude, open the freaking windows. My husband implored with increasing urgency. Chad held firm, not getting the leather wet. Fatalism set in. My sister pulled her scarf over her nose. My husband wrapped his arm around his face like an eight-year-old playing Dracula. Chad drove along, oblivious. And then the stink tsunami that I'd sent rolling through the atmosphere crested and crashed. As Chad didn't take precautionary measures, he was the first to react. He emitted a guttural, animalistic cry of anguish and began coughing. Ugh, what the cough, freak, cough, the freak is that smell? I was more than happy to take responsibility for this one. Excuse me, I said. I farted. That was my choice. Chad tried to respond, but was struggling too much to breathe to get the words out. The windows went down, but it was too late for that to do any good, and Chad soon pulled over. I think the car was still moving when he practically jumped out of it. As he stood there in the rain, cursing me out, disgusting witch, that smell is freaking inhuman, women shouldn't even do that, etc. I just smiled and smiled. I may not have solved anything, but darn, it felt good to fight back. Even after he got back in the car, he was complaining that it still stunk, and honestly, I hope it still does. For weeks. I certainly respect OP and what they did here and how they got revenge, but I know for sure that I want no part of it, and I would not want to see that firsthand. Even if it was a really satisfying revenge, I'll just take your word for it. And our final story of the day is from Three Nations. Landscaping owner rips my friend off of $400, so my friend makes him incur $15,000 in expenses. Word of note, this isn't me, but posting up here for a friend who currently resides overseas. A while back, my friend was selling some stuff online, and among the items was a water heater. You know, the ones you see in every community hall or church kitchen. It was in working condition. He threw it up online for $150 and got an email from a person who runs a landscaping business saying he'll give him $100 cash today. Done. Two weeks later, he got an email saying that it's not working. Weird. So my friend offered to give a full refund or cover the repair cost if it's under $100. The guy instead sent an invoice for $400 saying the repairs had been done. And if my friend doesn't pay it in 48 hours, he'll send a debt collector after him. He paid it out of fear and emailed him the confirmation. The landscaping owner then emailed back saying, This is the price you sometimes have to pay when selling secondhand electronics. Followed by a, Have a great day. Don't let this hold you back. With a smiley face at the end of the email. A month later, my friend was in a bar and he overhears a girl talking about how her boss who runs a landscaping firm, screwed over some dumb butt selling a water heater. My friend said, oh darn, I gotta hear this. Do you mind if I join your table? And the girl said sure and told the story. Her boss had bought a busted water heater from a secondhand store for $25 and a working one for $100 and billed the seller for the repair for the busted one before he sold it on for $300 to some community group. My friend asked, who did this so I don't hire that guy to fix up my yard? Ha 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 is all around. She says the company name, and lo and behold, it's on the email of the guy my friend sold the water heater to. He was the dumb butt in the story. He told me he was pretty angry about it, but COVID then hit so he had other stuff to worry about. 18 months later, he was browsing the website he originally sold the water heater on, and he saw a bunch of landscaping materials. 
Shovels, gardening stuff, wheelbarrows, lights for working at night, drills, nail guns, some construction materials, and a generator. Now, in my friend's location, apparently if you're selling a generator, then you need to have a warrant of fitness for it, proving that it works, it's safe, no filleted wires, etc, etc. Most people ignore it, and he saw that this generator is being sold by the landscaping firm. This generator, he said, just by looking at it, there was no way in heck you would have a warrant of fitness. Word of note, failure for a business to provide a warrant of fitness upon request for a generator after two weeks? When reported to the official departments and enforced by the court, the punishment is a hefty fine, and the courts often force the seller to refund the affected party and pay any cost that they incurred. EvilPlottingMusic.mp3 He talked to his flatmate, who agreed that they would go 50-50 on the generator, but he would transfer the money. Now, my friend had never met the landscaping firm owner face-to-face when selling the water heater. He left it outside and pickup was confirmed via his security camera. And when he gets there, it's clear that the owner, this old grumpy looking man who enjoyed yelling at his employees, had emptied out his storage unit. The owner was very much, as it is, no refund. And the flatmate showed him the transfer confirmation and they take the generator for $800. No warrant of fitnesses provided. They then took it to a friend of theirs who's an electrician, and he agreed to check it and give an invoice for repairs. And to quote the friend, it would be cheaper to buy a new generator, and to be honest, this generator shouldn't have been sold. It should have been scrapped. They also found that the main identifier number had been scratched off, but not a second number that's often recorded as well on warrant of fitnesses for tracking purposes. So they got in contact with the seller, telling him the cost of repair, around $5,000. He promptly tells them that he's not paying, as it is, no refunds. To which they then asked, have you got the warrant of fitnesses for this generator? Silence for two days. They followed up with another email asking for it, no response. They then ask again and get an email from him saying that he'll take it back for $800. They said, no, we want the warrant of fitness, and they get no response. They emailed him every day for two weeks, nothing. So they printed out the original item listing that had been screenshotted and had been archived on the website and reported him to the website and then the government. Four months later, my friend's in court and the guy went up to him. He tells him that he'll take back the generator for $800 and that my friend and his flatmate will be going in to tell the judge that the sellers refunded them and that they want it all dropped and that's what's happening here, full stop, end of story, they're doing what they're told to do. My friend said no. So they went into the courtroom and it's over very quickly. The inspector the government sent out to inspect the generator stated that it was in poor condition, shouldn't have been sold, was highly unsafe, and the seller had tried to get the generator a warrant of fitness in early 2021, but instead had been told that it was to be repaired or scrapped and that it was not to be sold. They identified it by a second number on the generator that they took down in the original attempt to get it warrant of fitness, which had not been scratched out like the first. The judge ordered the landscaping firm owner to refund the flatmate the $800, pay the $5,000 for repairs to the generator, and was ordered to pay a $10,000 fine, which would be given directly to my friend's flatmate as the affected party. 
When they left the courtroom, the owner was furious and told them that under no uncertain terms was he paying them a penny more, and that he couldn't understand what he had done to deserve such treatment. To which my friend said, Remember the water heater? He gave him a very confused look. Remember the water heater you bought for $100? Well, I do, because I sold it to you, and I know that you had a different one repaired and invoiced me for it. His jaw was on the floor, and to hit it home, he said, It's a witch, isn't it? When what goes around comes around, especially when it accumulated interest, you have 48 hours to pay or a debt collector will be contacted. Remember, this is the price you sometimes have to pay when selling secondhand electronics. Have a great day, don't let this hold you back. And they left. He paid the $15,000 two days later. My friend and the flatmate split the $10,000 50-50 as they agreed, combination of rent payments and study stuff, the generator they got repaired, and then got a warrant of fitness for it before selling it for $1,000 with a newly replaced identifier number. They then went out for a wonderful dinner and night out in town. Honestly, I don't think you can get much more satisfying of a revenge of being able to get back at the person in almost an identical way to the way they screwed you over, being able to look them dead in the face, use their words against them, and you gotta know that they're seething, they're fuming, they're upset, and you have the comfort and pleasure of knowing that not only do they now know how you felt in that moment, it's 10 times worse for them than it was for you. Needless to say, a super scummy guy like that deserved every single cent of this revenge. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another revenge story that was even more insane than the ones in this video, click on that left video. Or if you missed my latest video, click on the right. But with that said, I'll see you all next time for some more stories.